0: Peace and freedom. So, I decided to create a private podcast for coaches. Maybe you just want to develop better communication skills that boosts engagement, leads to better results, and makes you feel like you're actually making a difference in the lives of the people you serve. Then you're invited to. We talk about this and more in the UBU Private Podcast for Coaches. Whether you're a mentor, a parent, or run a client-focused business, coaching skills benefit everyone and anyone who wants to communicate in a way that builds relationships. Fall in love with your life and business again. Click the link in the show notes for your invitation to join us right now. Then come back and enjoy this episode. Hey, Difference Maker. Welcome back as we continue this series about the things you need to know about your client's personality so that you can connect with them better through your coaching, teaching, and creative services. Now, so far, we have covered up through Enneagram Type 6. We've talked about each of the types according to their nature and their nurture and how their acknowledgement languages can help you connect to them. And when you're able to do that, it builds that kind of rapport and trust that you want in order to maintain the relationships in your business. Now, remember, if the nine acknowledgement languages is a new concept to you, go check out my book at powercoachgen.com. I'll leave the link in the show notes. I also want to encourage you to listen to the entire series, even if you or your client are not exactly the type that's in the title of the episode. Because inside each of the episodes, I am referencing other types when I am comparing and contrasting and explaining how your client might actually be a pseudo type. Today, I'm going to be talking about the Enneagram Type 7. And here's a fun fact, just in case we are just now getting to know each other, that's my type. And what better way to learn how to connect to a Type 7 than from a Type 7? Now, of course, I personally only represent a portion of the Type 7s that are on the entire personality spectrum. So I'm going to be sure to cover the other kinds of Type 7s as well. If you have a client that you think might be a type 7, or you would like to attract Enneagram type 7s with your marketing, then this episode is for you. Let's go ahead and dive in. It's time to stop comparing yourself to others and plug in to what is uniquely you, Welcome to Unbox Your Personality, the podcast for coaches, creatives, and educators like you who understand that your happiness makes you more effective at what you do, bringing out the best in others. I'm Jim P. Higgins, personality strategist and Enneagram fluff remover. Get laser focused on who you are and who you aren't, so you're free to make the impact you were born to make and have fun doing it. Your personality is your business, so Get down to business. I have heard that non sevens wish that they were type sevens because type sevens are known to be loving life, being carefree, they're driven, yet they're happy go lucky and really seem to just enjoy life. But in actuality, these are just behaviors. And just because you're not a type seven, it doesn't mean that you can't adopt these characteristics in your own life or in your own business. And just because someone portrays these attributes, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are a type 7. Remember back in episode 13, which is the type 1 episode, I explain why it is important to be aware of this distinction. Because everybody is different. And you can't assume that you understand what's going on in the heads of your clients or your students, because sometimes your client isn't even aware of what those inner workings are going on in their brains. But you as the coach, the teacher, or the service-based provider, your job is to ask them questions. And that way you can gain more clarity and gain more context and be able to show how sometimes what satisfies us in the moment isn't always sustainable in the long run and can often lead to painful circumstances, emotional circumstances, or worse, boredom. And for a true type 7, that is truly catastrophic. But this can be a blind spot for a type 7, mainly because of their fast pace, which is one of their nine acknowledgement languages. So when you are asking questions, it can often help the type 7 slow down and process and think through things in a less emotional, less impulsive way. And when you're not asking questions, or even if you're not asking the right questions, can sometimes make your client feel boxed in. Because maybe assumptions are being made that makes them feel unheard or misunderstood or trapped like they don't have enough options. The degree to which this can drive a wedge in your relationships can vary by type, even within a type, and it depends on their stress and health levels. Now, this is the reason why I love that we use the Enneagram as the foundation of how I teach my students the art of asking questions at Unbox University. By using the Enneagram, it first allows you to ground yourself so that you yourself are at your healthiest and your most present state. And second, the Enneagram helps you guide your client and empower your client or your students according to their personality. And that way it feels very natural and comfortable for them and allows them to open up and connect with you better. That effort that you make to ask questions and get more context, that's what builds the rapport. It shows them that you see them as an individual, that you see their unique perspective. It lets them know that there are no wrong answers to your questions, and it gives them that safe place to process their thoughts without judgment. If you want to truly help your customers, your clients, and students solve the problems that they're coming to you to help them come up with solutions, you've got to learn to ask the right questions according to them. This is a coaching skill that every business owner should really strive to hone. It doesn't matter what field you're in. And it doesn't matter that you're not actually a coach, like the coach isn't in your title. Because you are in a relationship business, and this is the number one way to solidify healthy business relationships. And most importantly, it establishes boundaries for you to be you and for them to be them. Now, if you don't know for sure which type your client might be, I have a whole list of questions to get you started that's going to help you create stronger rapport and helps your client make progress and maybe even help you narrow down what type they could be. But most of all, you're going to feel more confident in your ability to help them organize their thoughts on what they need, especially for a type 7 who have a lot of thoughts. I'm going to be sharing more about that later on. Now, let's talk about the Enneagram Type 7. Now, I'm a Type 7, so I'm going to try really hard not to go too deep for this type, at least not deeper than I have for the other types, because then this episode will be way too long. But I want to make sure that we do go through the two categories, surface motivations and the core motivations. Because, of course, can't say this too many times, Their Enneagram types are based on motivations and not their behaviors. The surface motivation of the type 7 is to have fun and to have positive experiences. And they love for people to experience those things with them. The more, the merrier. They want the freedom to be able to think and do what they want, even if they don't actually do it. Having options is everything. But even with their happy demeanor, type 7s are really sensitive to criticism because they are driven by being cheerful and are repelled by naysayers or people that are raining on their parades, especially if that naysayer is themselves. They are known as the Enthusiast by Risa and Hudson because type 7s are excitable and they're able to find silver linings in pretty much any situation. Any kind of negativity, boredom, or painful experiences, especially emotionally painful, this creates insecurity and anxiety with feelings that are almost on the verge of panic or a claustrophobia, which causes them to flee and be unable to stay in one place for very long. And that could be figuratively and it could be literally because type 7s can be escapists. Now, sometimes to other people, this looks like being flighty or being avoidant or irresponsible, but this is not intentional. It is merely a coping strategy when the type 7 loses hope about a better future, of being able to create a better future. This instinct is as natural and normal for them as it is for if you scrape your knee, it starts to bleed and then form a scab. Is a part of a natural process in the attempt to heal oneself. And that could be said for all the types. Our personalities are so much about coping strategies to make us feel better. But positivity and enthusiasm, these are just surface motivations of the type 7. Because any type can be motivated by being positive and enthusiastic. But it's really the type sevens' core motivations that make them different when you combine them with these surface motivations and their stress patterns. Because the type 7 is hardwired to constantly look for things to experience and even to seek answers to questions that aren't even asked. Type 7s are explorers. Their ultimate core motivation is contentment. Type 7s are not ones that will rest on their laurels. Their core fear is to be deprived. FOMO is a real struggle for type sevens. The idea of missing out on something that could possibly be a really fun experience will create anxiety inside of a type seven. Likewise, because their pace style is fast paced, they tend to keep themselves busy or stimulated. Like the type sixes and fives, type sevens are fear types, but most people don't see type sevens is fearful, a lot of times it's the exact opposite. And when you look at the non-acknowledgement languages for the type seven, their past blindness and their emotional blindness, that is what keeps them going like the Energizer Bunny. Keeping themselves going and going and going is what helps calm that anxiety inside of them. They are the keep moving forward type. They're really quick to reframe any kind of painful emotions as a learning experience, even if they're not quite sure what that lesson was from that learning experience. It's almost like, oh, well, I learned something, and they may not necessarily stop to actually reflect to see what that was. This is a blind spot that basically guarantees that they're going to be tested again in the future. And what that does is it could bring on criticism of the circumstances or criticism of other people like finding someone to blame or pointing the finger because they feel like they've already dealt with it. They've already learned this lesson. The nine acknowledgement languages really helps you recognize when this is happening in your client. And it guides you on what questions you should ask that's not going to make your client feel criticized or judged but will actually make them feel validated and empowered to make better choices that's gonna help them feel more content in their life. So now let's talk about the nurture type seven. This is when your client behaves like a type seven, but isn't actually a type seven. Maybe they love a, a good party or a good adventure or love going off on tangents and rabbit trails every five minutes in the conversations. And maybe happiness is a core value or is a message as a part of their branding, but they aren't actually a type seven. So how can this happen? Let's start with the Enneagram symbol. Any type that is attached to a type seven on the Enneagram symbol are going to naturally resonate with some of the behaviors that are associated with the type seven. For example, a type six with a seven wing is gonna be energetic and fun-loving like a type seven, But they're going to be more naturally others-focused and more supportive of others. Type 7s tend to be more self-focused and more unstructured. A type 8 with a 7 wing is going to have an even bigger personality. And they're choosing adventures or experiences that make them feel strong or powerful, like hiking or camping or survival challenges, like food challenges long-haul travel or endurance training, whereas type 7s look more for interesting and fun adventures and experiences. Type 5s in a stressful moment might become a little unfocused and unable to be able to categorize their thoughts into their little filing system in their head. And they might escape like a type 7, but into their minds. They'll retreat and escape into their minds and Perhaps live out fantasies from their inner world a type one in a secure moment or when they are integrating with the type seven they start recognizing that they've got to let their hair down they've got to relax and chill out and have fun and to escape the pressure of these hard boundaries and expectations that they they set up for themselves and find a way to find some middle ground now your client might be a nurtured type seven if In the past, they were influenced by type 7 or someone with similar behaviors and have developed a style or habits from that. Maybe they grew up in a military family and did a lot of traveling and experienced a lot of adventures. Or it might be a trauma response to being told that you were a Debbie Downer at a party. You were the buzzkill. Or maybe someone told you to turn that frown upside down whenever you felt sad or had some kind of negative emotional response to something. Or maybe someone criticized them saying, nobody wants to hear your sob story, so just pipe down. And a lot of times what happens is that people will overcompensate by being a class clown or being the designated happy person after hearing that so many times. Again, this doesn't necessarily mean that they are a true type 7. These things could also happen to a true type 7, but they are not requirements to be a type 7. Now, sometimes type 9s, 2s, and 7s get mistyped because all three can have this magnetic personality because of their positivity. And all three can have negative experiences and really be able to reframe it and then continue to be cheerful. And believe it or not, type 7s and 4s can be mistyped too. If you don't know my story, I used to believe that I was a type 4, but I am actually a type 7. But when type 4s are looking back and really seeing how much they've endured, they become very grateful and very thankful for the experiences in their lives and view life more as an adventure, more of a journey of looking at the perfection in imperfection. Now, another reason someone might be a pseudo type 7 is it could be from a medical condition. ADHD, sensory issues, and even short-term memory loss could mask as past blindness. Now, the difference, again, between this and a true type 7 is the core motivations and those default behavior patterns in stress and for growing. Each true type on the enneagram has a unique behavioral pattern in stress and in growth. So when it comes to messaging in your business, if you know you want to work with a type seven, you're going to want to use words that speak to them and their motivations, like it's time to get your freedom back or choose your own adventure or how to design your happiness or finding your unicorn housekeeper so that you can stop doing boring chores. If you have any questions about this or you want more specific examples of how to handle this in your own business or your own personal situation with a client or in your marketing, go ahead and join us in Unbox Your Personality Facebook group. Post your question there and I'll be happy to answer it and it will probably help other people in the group. That link is in the show notes. The acknowledgement languages for the type 7 act as a guide for you to understand what gets their attention and what keeps their attention. It helps you recognize their blind spots or the limiting beliefs that are keeping them stuck in their box when they're reframing and reframing and reframing and not actually dealing with what's keeping them stuck. Your job is to hold a mirror up to that and show them where the ladder is inside of their box so that they can take that path to get out of the box. Otherwise, they're just going to keep finding themselves stuck in a perpetual spiral of disappointments or discontentment. And this is so stressful, especially for a type seven. And you can really help alleviate the stress by validating them and helping them sort out what needs to be done first. And that is not always logical, but it will be an important part of the story of their experience. This kind of perspective is what frees them up to explore many different parts about themselves so they can unbox themselves and unleash their power. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and reviewing the Unbox Your Personality podcast. To learn more about yourself, go to powercoachgen.com. Find out how you are different so you can make your difference.